Hello, Oasis. We are back with hey, another hey. episode. Super excited. I'm joined with Ben yep. and Brennan. Yep. Excited to be here. Yes. Good day. A little cold in this room. It's chilly. Kind of wish I would have brought my jacket. Yeah. But we can cuddle. No. Okay. Fine. I mean, just trying to be helpful, man. <laughs> Emily, please, Emily, please. All right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a got a question for you. That's a that's like actually a very very like minor thing. As you get to know me more and as we hang out more, I'd say some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's a little shock. That was minor. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that's my part of who you are. That's one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> good, good segue. Yes. Before we dive in, <laughs> got a question. Who is the most overrated superhero? Mine. I'm I'm pretty passionate about this. <laughs> I cannot stand Captain Marvel. That's unfair. I just can't. And Ben even asked, he said, is it because of all of who the actor is? And it's not, not even. Like, there there are pieces of her and her personality and such that I'm just like, oh, man, I can't. I can't with her. But even just the character in general, right? You get to Endgame. Incredible movie, right? They're struggling really bad in the war. She's been gone the whole movie. She just decides to show up in the end and then blows everything up, just flies through all the spaceships, defeats all the bad guys, and just is like, yeah. I thought her excuse like, was oh good, And it's like, oh, my God, I want to just punch Listen, her. Listen, Earth isn't the only planet that exists, it's Brennan. So, that's selfish. But, like, that's so, she's literally she's gonna, saving all the other gonna people show in the up, Show up and be just like the other superheroes because you're not that much better <laughs> just because you got shocked by some ultra energy like it's just her superpowers are so overrated it drives me bonkers that is that's a hot take thank you for your honesty i don't think it's that hot i think i got some people in the comments who want to support me in this (laughs) go for it (laughs) i think we have for if it's the same reason yeah uh i think that tony stark and iron man are just kind of overrated like anyone can be a billionaire and make a suit and fly in it and have torpedoes come out of it not anyone i mean I'm not a billionaire yeah that's the point that anyone who is a billionaire okay, can okay okay right mm-hmm. yeah no they, they could all right all right fine like, was it his, i'm not here to debate was it strength or like valor or honor that made him a superhero or was it the fact that he had billions of dollars his character arc is it changed sweet, though. His, his character mm-hmm. changed for sure but right away he's not a great human being no yeah and yours i mean it's the same route it's to me it's batman because he's human I get that he's kind of smart. He's not as smart as Tony Stark. Tony Stark is actually more intelligent. Um, he's a good leader, but doesn't use it until he's thrown into the fire. Yeah. And he has a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Like, are, is he a superhero or is he just superhuman? It's, yeah. Well, yeah. Is he a Figure vigilante? Like, is he even a yeah, good oh, no, guy? No, he's a criminal. No, he's, oh, he's a, a good guy. He's a, no, he's technically a criminal. Literally oh, in the dark night. Literally in the dark night. Uh, <laughs> Who's the who's the guy who's gonna run for mayor? He's uh, Harvey. Yeah. Harvey Dent says yeah. Batman eventually will pay for his crimes. He literally says that because he's a criminal, overrated superhero. That's he's a he's a literally a criminal. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't but like I'll, it. I'll let you say it. You can stand on that if you want. Uh, oh, that's good. Now that I've opened a can of worms <laughs> that we need to put back in the can. I know which direction <laughs> this podcast is going yeah, for me. confrontational from the get. <laughs> um, last week, we talked about generosity, and we looked at three different things, your time, your treasure, and your talents. And we spent a lot of time talking about time and treasure. Um, but this week, we're kind of looking at how can I use my spiritual gifts and be generous with them? And so, first of all, like, what is a spiritual gift? Yeah, it's something that you 
possess in order to, it's an ability, it's a gift that God has given you in order to glorify him, build his kingdom, edify and encourage and challenge other believers. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think like that part, challenging other believers, like it's always for the purpose of glorifying God and building up his church and he's always the end goal with it. Um, And we see in scripture, especially the New Testament, we have a couple of different passages that list out different spiritual gifts. So we have Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. These are both like really important and really distinct lists from each other. But we also have a core passage in 1 Corinthians that we're going to be focusing on today. And so if you're curious about your gift or what the Bible says, look at Romans, look at Ephesians. Yeah. But we're going to be diving into Corinthians today. Yeah. So, and I'll even throw in 1 Peter 4, just the why behind mm-hmm. the gifts. Like, mm-hmm. don't read that. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And so before we dive into some questions... The context here is that Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and basically they have been ranking the spiritual gifts they see among their members. So they would say, oh, you have the gift of tongues. You're the elite. Sorry, your gift of service isn't that great, so you're kind of lower. And Paul is writing and responding and asking questions about the misunderstandings that these people have. But before yeah. we kind of dive into this, what you are the— like you want to say something. I mean, the book of Corinthians is just tough, right? Like, when you read through First and Second Corinthians, this church— They struggled. Did they ever get anything, right? Like, they're, they're, it's just one rebuke after another. This is Paul's problem child, mm-hmm. and this is a huge issue that they're struggling with. And he is a spiritual father coming to rebuke his spiritual sons and daughters, telling them this is not the way. And so there's a lot for us to learn in here, especially when we look at just what does it mean to be the church— and we don't want to be like the Corinthians. We don't want to be the problem child. We want to live in faithfulness and righteousness to what God has actually called us to be. And so, yeah, there is a, Corinthians is just an interesting book. It's it's a, it's a hard letter. Yeah, it's it's really good. So. so what are the different spiritual gifts that we see? Do you have the passage? In, in Corinthians, I do have it up. Go are ahead. you guys ready? Um, so he, he talks about one. He's... Literally what Brennan just said in 1 Corinthians 12, he opens out, now about the spe- the gifts of the Spirit, um, I don't want you to be uninformed. Yeah. And so there's, it's what you said, and they have this idea of there's a ranking system, and it's how we use, and it's how we talk about them. He's like, y'all are uninformed. Here's the rebuke and the correction. Step into this. Um, it's the same Spirit giving the same kind of, giving all of these gifts. It's the same Lord, but they're used for different purposes. Mm-hmm. So now each... He says this verse seven, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good to one. There is given the spirit of message of wisdom. So even to one, they are automatically, he is destroying their concept of there shouldn't be a ranking. It's you all are given each one and each of them are different and that's okay. Um, so it's a, their spirit of wisdom. Uh, there's uh, a, a gift of wisdom, gift of knowledge, a gift of faith, gift of healing, a gift of miracles, a gift of prophecy, a gift of discerning uh, between spirits, of speaking in tongues, of of interpreting tongues. And then he says in verse 11, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so he's not ranking. He's not saying these one is greater than the other. He's saying you're all part of the same body. Mm -hmm. Each one he had different gifts, and that's okay. Here's what this looks like. Yeah. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. From the Spirit. From the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Spirit. They're holy gifts. Given by God. Good gifts. For His glory. And, and his I purpose. think that's important. I don't even know if we're going to get here in this podcast, mm. but I there is such a... I don't know if even debate's the right word, but there is dialogue around this section of Scripture and yeah. spiritual gifts. People have opinions, and they've got ideas, and they've... And sometimes it just swings into, man, this is messy and complicated, so let's avoid it. 
but no, they're they're good gifts, right? They've been given to the church mm-hmm. to be able to bless us yeah. and to bless God's kingdom. And so even if it's messy and complicated, and even if you're listening right now trying to navigate, what does this mean for me? I don't know. Maybe it's just easier just to avoid. It's like, no, no, no. These are these are good gifts the Father has yeah. given. And so we, sh- we should open our arms and receive these with wisdom, yep. with intelligence, with discernment, right? With with the right heart. But don't don't shy away from this. Yeah, that's good. So why has God given us these gifts? Yeah, I mean, is mentioned to glorify him. There's an aspect that these gifts are helped to. Ephesians 4 talks about how these gifts are used and gifts in general, spiritual gifts are used to build up the maturity of the church, to to help us continue to grow in our sanctification of becoming more like Jesus. So there's a communal aspect of each one of us has been given gifts. You use these to encourage one another, to build each other up into full maturity until Christ returns. Um, it's It's for unity amongst the diversity. And so it's that. There's many parts to the body, but all of them work together to pursue one purpose and goal. Purpose is glorify God and to accomplish his mission and purpose on this earth. And one of those is so that we become more like Jesus, but yeah. also that other people get to know him. And part of it is the unity, right? We, When you look at the church, there is this diversity that happens yeah. in that we are different. Yet when the gifts are distributed and each person gets different gifts and then we put those all together into the church body, there is a sense of unity that I can't do it on my own. I need your gift and I need your gift and I need your gift. Mm-hmm. And together we partner with one another and we link arms in, in a sense with our giftings to be able to glorify God. And so there's a, there's a deep sense of unity in the distribution of gifts and why God has given those to us. Yeah, that's good. We've been saying a lot that the gifts are for God's glory and for building up the church. So does this mean that I now apply to be in Kids Point to serve with Nathan and all the children, or I apply to the ministry team? Can my gifts be used outside of the walls of a church? No, it has to be. Oh, in the church. Stop! 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 <laughs> cut it! Cut it! Cut it! No. Edit that out. Yeah. No. Of course. And they do. Mm-hmm. They do. Like. Yeah. But it's a both and. Yeah, that's and that's good. where we get stuck. We get yeah. stuck. It's it's either here. I'm either giving yeah. my gift here or I'm giving it there. It's like, no, why don't we just give our gift everywhere we show up? Right? Your gift should be present in the classroom as you're a student. Your gift should be present in your in your workspace when you're working. It should be present in your family when you're loving people. So when you come to church, don't leave it at the door. Right? If you have the gift of, of faith, show up yeah. in Kids Point and offer that to the kids. If you have the gift of, of right, just wisdom, show up to your small group and offer that. Yeah. But then... Let that flow from you everywhere you go. It, it is it is a both, and that gift does not get checked at one place and left at a different mm-hmm. one. That's good. So are there? there's a list of gifts, and some of them are more visible than others. Like we have healing and miracles, which you can visibly see different signs. And then we also have gifts such as like wisdom and faith, which also aren't always that visible or that measurable. So are there gifts that are better than others? I'm not even going to let Ben jump in here because he would have said, yes. <laughs> no, no. I mean, refresh. No, it, of course, no, there's <laughs> not. Each gift has value and each gift looks different and each gift is different in the way it needs to be used and the and the consequences or results of that gift. But no, not, not one is better than the others. So I want to point out, we started with Corinthians 12. So this is kind of the, the list of gifts, why we have them the image of that we are the body of Christ, that we can't all be the foot, otherwise we won't have arms or a head. It'd be awful. But then we get to this chapter called chapter 13. And this is kind of what we call the love chapter. Mm. And it's what we say at pretty much every single wedding where it says love is patient and love is kind. How does chapter 12 relate with chapter 13? 
I haven't even used this at the wedding, just so you guys know. I, 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 I purposely have, have sw- swung away from the, the love chapter. I'm just one of those guys where it's like, if everybody's doing it, I don't know if I'm going to do it. But I just try to serve the husband and wife if they want it. <laughs> I purposely put in all my wedding packages. Yeah, I, I say no, no, First Corinthians thirteen. <laughs> have, have have to pay extra for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's it's a beautiful chapter and it's so oddly and strategically placed. If you read just your section on love and you don't have the context of what comes before and after, it stands alone as a beautiful passage of scripture yet read within this segment of three different chapters. You see how it, how strategic Paul was yeah. when he was writing this because yep. he comes with this rebuke and this information. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. So here it is. Then he comes around the, like almost the backside and was like, but none of that matters mm-hmm. if you don't have love. And it's not one of the gifts listed. So he says, here's all these things. Here's all these things. But he's like, Oh, but they all stand on this foundation of love. And if you pull out that foundation, they all crumple. And then he'll move to chapter 14 where he begins to talk about the gifts again. But he, right in the middle, reminds them of that which is most important. Yeah. And here's what's crazy is those gifts can be expressed without love. Hmm. And they can help people. That's good. And they can and they can serve to actually help people come to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. But you won't hmm. if you don't have love. Wow. But you can still serve in that. Because yeah. he says, even if I, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but don't have love, he says, I gain nothing. Wow. You ain't going to gain in growth and relationship with God. You ain't going to gain in growth and intimacy with him. You're probably not even going to gain an intimacy with brother and sister in Christ, mm-hmm. but you could still see it be used in service to God's glory. That's <laughs> but good. But you lose. Yeah. Because we see that, and it happens. It's so easy to show up and give your gift, but yep. do it without your heart involved, yep. and other people will benefit, and yep. the people watching will see that benefit, mm-hmm. and they might praise you for your gift, but yep. internally you know there's no heart in that. Yes. So, wow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, Paul is hitting on is that love um, lasts longer. Because he says later, he's like, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And all of these gifts, like, at some point, they will end. Mm. But love never will. That's like, amazing. love love in, in Christ and founded on Christ, mm. that love will never end. And so if we're looking at how to steward these gifts well, when it's founded on love, they're going to last. Yeah. And this may go on a tangent that's so unnecessary. I'm just for some reason reminded of Matthew 7, mm. where people were able to like exercise demons, yeah. were able to heal people. And yet because of a lack of love, which is ultimately a lack of love towards Jesus and knowing him and being intimate with him, it's like you lost everything. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's That gives me two thoughts. One, one Back to Emily, when you're talking about, it says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, it says faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And you see in this this weird paradoxical way, Paul unranking the gifts, yet ranking yeah, these three good. words, yeah. right? He's like, none of the gifts are better uh-huh. than the other, but he says love's better than faith and hope. Yeah. And I remember I had a pastor say once, he says, the reason love is better is because it's long lasting and it's eternal. When you step into the presence of God in heaven, you will no longer need faith. Mm-hmm. Faith is confidence yep. in what we do not see, what we yep. cannot see. You will see your heavenly father. You will see Jesus seated on the throne. You will see your brothers and sisters of Christ across generations. And you don't need faith anymore. Yeah. It's fulfilled. You don't need hope. Hope is this confidence in what is to come. You don't, there. you don't need it. You're yeah. there. But love, love will never end. That's good. And so there's this like, that's why Paul ranks it is because it is this eternal thing. God from the beginning out of love creates you, then invites you back into love to exist in love forever. Mm-hmm. Or the other thing you said that, prompts me is you talked to, I don't even, I don't think you used this word, but it's the word that popped into my head. It's just like longevity. 
I look at what it looks like to serve in the church mm. and to be faithful to Christ. Mm. And one of the things as I've been a disciple for a decade now is I look at people who have longevity yeah, in, in church and I want to know what did they do? Because I know it's hard day in, day out to follow Jesus. I know there are plenty of things that want to pull me off this path. How do I keep this not for a decade, but for six decades? And some of it is like the people who for six decades, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, have passionately followed Jesus. It's because they're deeply entrenched in love. They have this longevity because they're willing to show up and to give their gift time after time out of time again because God is in their heart moving in a way that fuels that. Yep. And so it's like, it's love. Yep. That's, yeah, that's good. But I think that even goes back to who God is and his image because God is love and he does all of these works in the world. Like he heals people. He gives us prophecies of who he is. He gives us the power to work miracles, but his foundation is love too. Mm-hmm. And like we're being invited back into that image of loving others by remaining in the love of God mm-hmm. through the use of spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's all about love. Well, and and now I'm just in a million different tangents in my head, but one of the things that I find so fascinating about Jesus' miracles is they're launched out of love always to remove suffering. And so when we look at the giftings and we talk about, hey, we can give gifts to other people in order to bless them, but it can't it can be detached from like when Jesus heals the paralytic man, he changes his future forever and removes suffering, and he does that out of love. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, it's because there's 5,000 people who are hungry and out of love he alleviates, even if it's small suffering. Mm. And so when we look at the church, right, you can do a gift of healing, you can do a, a word of prophecy, and people can applaud you for it, but where did it alle- alleviate suffering, bring healing, and then launch That's forward so in love? Yeah. Like it actually has, Jesus' miracles always had this tangible change in the in the the life of people around him. And that, that just, he didn't do it for show. Yeah. There was there was deep deep love and change and transformation that came from encountering Jesus. Yeah, that's good. So, for the student who's sitting in class, for the person at work sitting at their desk, what does it look like to be founded on love when I use my spiritual gift? This is a loaded question. That, that is I a loaded. Founded on love. Yeah, I mean, you got to go back to. I I don't know if you find it right away, right. In my head, I think part of finding your founding, <laughs> foundational thing, <laughs> part, part of putting your gift on love is engaging your heart and figuring out what does it actually look like to have that gift leveraged for love. And part of that is you just have to start using yep. it and figuring out and checking yourself yep. and asking the questions and inviting really good accountability and being in the body and, and being willing to get it wrong and to be messy and all of those things. And you'll find it along the yeah. way. Yep. But if you wait until it's like, man, am I rooted in love? Am I rooted in love? Am I? You're never going to start. Mm-hmm. Like, Cause there are mixed, there are mixed motives yeah. all up in this heart, yep. right? Like there always will be yet. Those motives are purified as I continue to step out in faithfulness. Yep. And I think even in first Corinthians 14, one, Paul starts off with just saying, follow the way of love. Mm. How's your relationship with Jesus? Yeah. I mean, so very simply just starting even there. Um, If I'm following the way of love, we know God is love and we know Jesus is God and all the things. And so it's like, am I following Jesus well? And then it is what you said exactly. It's have I, and you grow in this because it's not an immediate, but there is an aspect of learning what it looks like to evaluate motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have an answer to your question? Well, I was percolating as you were talking. <laughs> you were like, talk longer? <laughs> yeah. I, I think the scripture that came to my mind was like, 
we love because he first loved us. And I think maybe the place to start is, do you know that God loves you? Yeah. And do you know it in your head? Do you know it in your heart? Do you know it everywhere in your body? Like, do you know his love? And from that, can you share that with others? Because I think when we know God's love, there's no way it can be contained. Like, yep. Oh, yeah, it's bursting There's forth. no way. Yep. Yeah, that's great. But maybe moving more practically, um, what does it look like to use my gift for God's kingdom? The easy answer is there are a million tests out there. And so go take the test and click on the buttons. But I am an achiever in my bones. And so when I take any kind of assessment test, whether it be personality or proficiency, I know the right answer. And so I'm not going to give you the the right answer for me. I'm going to give you the right answer for what I think is true, right? Like so, so these are never super helpful for me. So what I always encourage people to do is just go read the texts. Go read it. Go read Ephesians 4. Go read Romans 12. Go read 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Go read 1 Peter 4. And when you read those, read them with the lens and asking the Spirit, will you will you show me? Because that's, that's who God is. Yep. That when we come to his word, it's alive and active. There aren't dead words on a page there. Those scriptures want to teach you and correct you and rebuke you and train you in righteousness. So if you come to Ephesians 4 and you say, God, there are five things here. Will you show me which yeah, one of these good. that I feel like I'm, I am, and you sit with God and you wrestle with God. You might not find it in a moment, but I believe if you keep serving and keep going and keep doing the things he asks, that that answer comes to you. It might not come that time you read Ephesians 4, but it's coming. Yeah. So good. that that's my wrestling is I always just say, go to the text first, read what it is to be those things, see what the list is, take some time and just sit with God, yep. ask him, pray. Yep. And oftentimes that's where he's revealed to me my gifting. Yeah, that's good. And in that, don't have a box definition of what the gift is on when you come to it yeah. and when you read it. Like yeah. there's so, there's a reality where they're a lot more vague than you realize. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, in Ephesians 4, there's the spiritual gift of being a shepherd yeah. and a pastor. It's like, well, I'm not a pastor. So I was like, no, do you love people and are you really merciful and you sit in, in them? Are you compassionate? It's like, then you're, I actually don't have the gift of being a shepherd and pastor. Yeah. I, I'm not a merciful, compassionate person, <laughs> but I love people. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just have a really, don't, don't box in the definition automatically on task and what it looks like. Allow your mind to be a little open on what that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written down community. Like what are people saying? You just are really great. At yeah. It. And take that in, receive that well. Yeah. I mean, go ask. Trust them. Yeah. Oftentimes, like unless you're Ben, most people don't come up and say, "I see this." In I, you. I do that all the time. <laughs> I haven't I told Emily yet, but Ben in his there. first three months was like, "Brennan, this is you." <laughs> I, I prophetically speak this over you as not a prophet. <laughs> like it, this, that's who. But like most people, yeah. if you went to him and say, "Hey, like I got this list of things, and I'm trying to discern where God has me in this and what my gift," would you help me? It's just like, where do you see my gifting? And if you've got good community around you and you're living authentically and intentionally, they should be able to point out like, hey, you make me feel this, yeah. or I see the way you care for these people, or I see this when you like lead. And those are super helpful yeah, too. That's good. I think community is so big. Like one of the reasons why I'm not doing worship ministry is because someone told me to not do worship ministry. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Emily, like you have a gifting of teaching and mm. like you need to pursue that. That's good. And I said, no, I'm a worship major. That's not what I do. <laughs> but like it's how I ended up doing youth ministry is how I ended mm. up here. Like community has been the voices that have like God has used to direct me and show me the things that he has for me. Mm. But it's also been things that like you can't hold on to with white mm. knuckles. Like when that gift of teaching was revealed, it wasn't like, 
all right, I'm going to start a mega church and preach every single week to 3000 people and make millions of dollars. Like that was never it. It was, how is God calling me to use it mm. in the smaller ways? Like yep. when I'm hanging out with four middle school kids that are bonkers, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like, how can I use my gift of teaching there? Yeah, I heard a mega church pastor once talking about, especially the gift of teaching. People don't always know how to leverage that one in the space that they're at because they think teaching is so closely attached to platform. Mm-hmm. Yet he said, if you are a parking lot attendant, what does it look like for you to be the best parking lot attendant you can be and teach other people into that? Like That could be the gift. Yeah, that's good. Right? Yeah. It's, it doesn't require platform or influence. Yep. It just requires faithfulness to exactly where God already has you. He didn't make a mistake giving you that gift in the space that you're yes, in. that's good. I think one of my expectations when I find out a spiritual gift, I feel like I have to be perfect in it already. Like if this gift is already in me, like Emily, if you're a teacher, then if I fail at preaching, then God's not with me. Like, (laughs) like that, that's where my mindset goes. So how do I make sure that, um, I, I allow room for myself to fail? Mm -hmm. You got to give yourself a lot of grace. Definitely. I think you're hitting on that. And part of it is yes, trial and error. I know for me, I don't believe in this season I have the gift of healing. Personally, that's where I'm at. That's what I've prayed through. However, that doesn't mean I haven't tried. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've had people who are sick in my life. I've encountered people who are struggling with diseases or ailments in the church where I've felt like the Lord has asked me to pray for healing. And I have some crazy stories praying alongside some other people who maybe do have gifts of mm-hmm. healing. And I have some stories where it's been really hard for me to walk away and not know exactly why God hasn't brought that yet. Part of that was the discernment process. So yeah, you got, you got to try. And if you do it correctly with this, Hey, confidence that God can, but grace to know that he's sovereign and he'll do what he wants. Then there is grace to fail. When you express the gifting in this, this sense of pride where I have this and you don't leave any room for God to circum vent your plan for his will that's where it gets messy yeah i agree <laughs> that's good yeah try it i mean if you you, you gotta try right i think you gotta learn and educate yourself i remember francis chan once talked about in one of his messages he says i've prayed for the gift of speaking in tongues yeah. since i was a first christian and he says i've been praying for that for 30 years and that doesn't mean i don't stop asking right paul says eagerly desire eagerly. the greater gifts yep, yep. But he still hasn't received it. And so still to this day, he's still exploring what that looks like for him yep. to pursue that gift. It's good. Knowing that God will give it if he wants to. Yep. So if God is giving me a gift, does that mean I use it 100% of the time in every single situation <laughs> that I might find myself Depends in? Depends on if you believe the Romans 12 gifts are motivational gifts. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Ben? I mean that I think there are gifts that we've been given from birth. Um that once you become a follower of Jesus, get, what's the word, Brennan? Elevated. Thank you. Now, I don't know if elevated is the right word, but just get like magnified in such no, a sense that they're so spiritually, yeah. they're Holy Spirit driven. But I think there's aspects of how we were created in our personality that are so, that are aspects of gifts from God that are, we may say they're natural before we could become a follower of Jesus. Uh, that it's just the way you see the world. So um, I'm, I'm a visionary encourager. It's like how I kind of a little bit describe it. Like I see big picture stuff and I want to encourage the crap out of people. So that's how I parent. Hmm. My wife is a teacher and that's how she parents. So when we are reading a book uh, on fire safety 
and my daughter's freaking out because she thinks our house is going to start on fire that <laughs> night. I'm coming alongside her and encouraging, like, we're safe. We're going to be okay. We have a plan. My wife is laying out the 17-step plan of how to get yeah. out of our house <laughs> if the fire happens because yeah. she's an instructor and a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I think we use it more than we realize we're using it. I think we have a box in what we think it's supposed to look like. Yeah, that's so good. Nothing to add there. And then how do we, like we've been saying all the time, like our gift is for the glory of God for building up his church. So after we've used our gift, like how do we make sure that we're still giving the glory to God and not to ourselves? Embedding yourself in gratitude. If you've been given a gift, right, one of the cringiest things you can see in our world is when someone gets a, gets a gift and it's not received with yeah, gratitude. Right, You show up at Christmas and someone gets something and it's just this fake, like, gratitude they're not even and your your gift can suck but still be grateful that they tried or they gave you something and you can you can feel it there's just this tension and this awkwardness and we don't always see that when we don't give god the glory for the gifts he's given us Mm -hmm. but that same tension and that awkwardness should still be there Mm -hmm. right because god has given you a gift and to not give him gratitude back for that is unbelievably selfish and prideful and ignorant and in it it should just make us kind of cringe in our bones. Yet that cringe should be conviction to lead us to encourage other people to give gratitude, right? Not yeah. to not to judge. That's not what I mean. But like, yeah, you got to celebrate. It's good. I think, and an outcome of that, it's not an added, here's another thing. It's just the outcome of that will be you actually be able to receive when people thank you when you actually are serving God. Because there's a false humility that we have running around um, within the church of denying and deflecting when we've actually stepped into using the gifting mm-hmm. that God's given us. And so when people say, hey, thanks for that, we, we go, oh, no, it's nothing. Or we try to like, we get this awkward feeling of not being able to receive that well versus like, yeah, yeah you're welcome, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think I think that happens when you have a, a, a disposition of gratitude. Yeah, that's great. Well, this has been our podcast on spiritual <laughs> gifts, all of it. Um, but hey, my encouragement to you guys is um, either to to find your community and, and ask them questions about spiritual gifts or to take a quiz online or to start serving somewhere and, and to find a space where you can practice your gift. That's good. So That's good. We'll catch you next week. Boom. Yep. Peace. See ya.